right. Welcome to episode three of the Adventure Podcast. My name is Kyle Versteg, and I'm here with James Noka. How are and you guys? It's been a while. Uh, some technical difficulties and things have prevented us, as well as being uh, busy with other stuff. Uh, lots, of, lots of stuff going on. Remember, every day is an adventure, guys. Right. Uh, <laughs> so you um, just recently had a big uh, campout shindig. Yeah. I thought we'd go into that, yeah. tell the story. We went, yeah, we went up to uh, uh, recently a handful of guys, and I'm not going to mention anybody's names because you know who you are if you're listening. Um, but half a dozen of us went up uh, to a place called French Farm Lake, which is a little a little pond um, in the tip of the mitt. And uh, it's on the end of a seasonal road, and, and um, it's at a, a there's a little boat ramp there, boat launch ramp there. And a lot of people go there in the summertime, and they kayak, and they fish, and do those kinds of, you know, pan fish, that kind of stuff. So uh, went out there on a Friday uh, afternoon, and um, snowmobiled back in. I have got a, a Tundra snowmobile with a, a skidoo tundra snowmobile and i have a dog sled on the back of it uh, like a real dog sled and i you can haul a lot of cargo and stuff with it so i i used it to haul everybody's stuff back uh into the back and um we set up camp and basically enjoyed ourselves for uh the weekend and we just we just had a blast it was down like I think the first night was pro- went down to like 11 degrees or something in that range. It wasn't horribly cold, but it was it was a bit chilly. The second night was like 25, I think, um, which was real nice. We got a little bit of ice fishing in. Um, ate well, like everything tastes so much so great on a on a winter campout. It's not even funny, but mm-hmm. we had a we had a good time. We had a good time. Cool. What'd you use to for shelter um i brought my my little kifaru tent oh okay um, you know with that little with that little wood stove in it and and i gotta tell you that is such a game changer when it comes to camping in the winter time it's not even funny um i've done a lot of camps with a with a three-sided whaling tent and a long lay fire and that kind of stuff and and in my neck of the woods um while it's very very possible to do it, it a lot of times ends up as a as an uncomfortable morning or um, or something like that because it gets it gets so cold that uh, you know you don't even want to get out of bed to, to tend the fire. You don't even want to get out of your sack to tend the fire, and uh, so it 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 works. I mean, a lot of people, you know, say, oh yeah, yeah, that's, you're not a man if you're not doing it that way, you know, and it's like, I, you know, I've done it many times and I, and I got to tell you that, that being in an enclosed tent, uh, like the Kifru TP is, uh, a much better solution than, than a three-sided canvas tent, um, and a long lay fire. For one thing, you go through so much more firewood. Um, yeah. You know, it's just you open burn a fire for for twelve hours. I don't think people realize. I mean, it's romantic and everything, you know, but I don't think people realize how much wood you actually go through. Yeah, um, and you have to get all of that wood is the issue. Exactly, exactly. You got to get it all, and you know, up here sometimes you're underneath three feet of snow. You know, yeah. so what you're you're kind of 
with the uh, with the little Kifaru stove, um, that little titanium stove I have, you know, you're literally taking little twigs off trees, you know. Yeah. And and um, I've got a little, uh, and it actually works pretty well. I've got a little, um, my one of the things that I brought with me kind of fits into my dog sled is um, uh, one of those little otter otter sleds, mm-hmm. little um, jet sled, I guess it is. And it's a real, it's a teeny one. It's not a very big one. It's a lot of guys use them when they go ice fishing. They they drag them with a little string out on the ice. Well, I have one that fits right into right into the bottom of my uh, my dog sled. And so when I'm wandering around getting uh, um, fire for firewood for my little stove, well, you know, you just drag that little thing with you, and and you know you go up to. Uh, whatever kind of tree that you find a little dead limb on with your silky saw and you just start cutting pieces off it as that that are big enough to fit into the stove and so you know you end up i think there's like i i want to say you can put like eight inch pieces of wood in there i think mm-hmm. something like eight or ten inches pieces of wood is about all and about the size of you know i suppose if you get anything much bigger than um inch and a half or two inches across you're pretty much you're pushing the limits so, um, so you know, you go out there, you go, you you grab your little sled, you grab your little silky saw, and you wander around your campsite, and you you're basically just picking up little pieces of, you know, little bits of wood to uh, to keep your um, to to have your fire going when you go to bed, and when you get up in the morning, you can warm up your uh, your tent so you can get out of your bag real comfortable, you know, comfortably warm up some uh, water for coffee. Mm-hmm. And do those kinds of things, and and it really makes it, um, it actually makes it so you're, there's no, it's not uncomfortable, you know. You get to a certain point in your life where comfort is me has a lot has a lot of meaning. I mean, I've been in a lot of really awful places to stay where it's just totally uncomfortable. And you get you sleep because you have to sleep, but you really don't you don't ever really get good rest and sleep. And uh, and when you have a setup that you get a good night's sleep, you know whether it's five hours or six hours of sleep, um, you know you need a good sleeping bag, and and you need just something to to comfortably get your clothes changed and dried out. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that and that setup works real nice. A hot tent works really well for that. And, uh, and like I said, there's a lot of a lot of the young guys today are like, oh yeah, bushcraft this, bushcraft that. We're gonna have a three-sided tarp and it's gonna be 22 below zero. And I gotta tell you, I've done that many times. And this this little teepee tent I have is much much better than that. Yeah. Much what more did you com- use? Uh, you didn't just pitch it straight onto snow, did you? Mm-hmm. Yes, I did, and and actually, what was really kind of funny because I've got set, I've got the the um, those long, uh, they're called snow stakes, snow spikes. It, it comes with well, they don't come with the tent. But you have to buy them after, but they're for snow and sand. So you know, if you're in an area where you've got a, um, the ground is not really good for those little spikes. Um, these are like longer pieces of. Uh, well, they almost look like a piece of conduit, and and you can put them in. You know, you basically take your your uh, snowshoes, and you pack the snow down, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and up there we did not have a ton of snow, which really surprised me quite a bit because we at my house um, at that time we had you know two feet, two three feet of snow. And uh, when I got up there and, and got back into where we were going to go camping, there was not that much snow. There was only about six inches. So uh, you know I I mashed that down the best I could and and uh, and I used the snow spikes to to um, but they actually went into the ground. Yeah, there's a, so I, I guess what I was getting at is, did you have a ground clever, or were you just straight onto the no, snow? You no, know, you know what, I've got a, um, no, I use a, uh, it's, people kind of laugh at it, but it's a, uh, it's a body bag, and it's made out oh, of, yeah. uh, it's, you know, it's made out of nylon, like the blue tarp nylon, only it's a, it's a better quality, uh, those tarps. Yeah. Like those plastic blue tarps, but it's they're this thing is black and it's a much better quality and it's waterproof, and um, and so what you do is you unzip the zipper down the center, you put your pad, your sleeping pad inside that, and then you put your sleeping bag inside that, and you have a very comfortable bed that you can lay right on the snow and not worry about it, um, and then you have. Uh, all your stuff stays dry in it. You get up, you can, you know, zip it, zip the the thing up when you're moving around, so you don't get your stuff doesn't get wet. Um, you know, you you walk into one of those one of those tents and you've got you know snow on your shoes, you got snow on your pants, and next thing you know, you got snow in your bed or snow in your sleeping bag, and you you know you're starting a wet, you know, starting to get wet, and it's like the biggest. Uh, that's like one of the biggest problems with a with a hot tent is the fact that you can get wet. Yeah, and, that's why I was asking about a ground cloth. Yeah, yeah, and so I I adapted this uh, the use of this um, uh, body bag um, a couple years ago, and you know it just makes it really makes it really handy. You know, and actually if you can um, you know you can actually roll it up and make like a bedroll out of it, which is kind of cool. Yeah. So the there's a trick with um, where you can use uh, regular uh, tent stakes, those little MSR triangular tiny tent stakes. Uh, you can use those in snow without any difficulty. And how you would do that is um, if you are, let's say your your tent pole is uh, facing is kind of leaning um, from north to south, right? Uh, so you dig a trench perpendicular to that, east and west, just a little tiny, doesn't have to be big. And you take the rope and uh, tie it around your tent stake and then put it at the bottom of that trench and then pack it down. Yeah. And it does exactly that, and it actually works. Those triangular tent stakes are actually meant for that. Yeah. Um, yep. So that's another way to do that. Um, yep. Yeah, they work, they work well for that. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's a that's a and and like I said, when you take one of these uh, um, tents like that that doesn't have a floor in it, and you actually mash the snow down really well for your for your um, uh, for the base of your tent, you'd be surprised how it doesn't really melt that much because you're not heating yeah, it up. Yeah, because the heat further. the heat goes up. Yeah, and it's yeah. not and by the time you're um, you know, you're you're undressed and in bed. I mean, you're not keeping a, a fire in there for a long time. It's not like you're heating the tent all night. 
no. you're only you're only warming it up for a short period of time while you get your clothes uh, off and hung up and and so that they're drying out and um, and usually by the time you're you know zipped up in your sleeping bag it's the fire's just about going uh, going out yeah so something you might consider uh, as well um, is just bringing a cutting a piece of Tyvek to the shape of your tent and using mm-hmm. that as a that's another thing I've done because I I don't have your particular kifru. I have a lot bigger one, but right. I also have a smaller one made by Black Diamond mm-hmm. uh, that I've been using a little bit. And I just have I just cut a piece of Tyvek to the right dimensions, and yeah. you can use that as a ground cloth too. Now, does that have a uh, does that does that have a stove jack in it? No, it doesn't. That, that um, Black Diamond one? No, uh, but you know that there's a a trick that um, uh, Moore's Kahansky taught, and that's that if you're in a, a tent like that, if you have a candle, right, like a just a, a typical wax candle, and you burn that candle, um, that's going to heat it up a lot more than you think it would, and it won't generate enough fumes to gas you or whatever. Right. So that's... That's a way to do it. And then the other thing is is that most of the time I don't really need a heated tent. Um, I just get into a sleeping bag and then it's heated <laughs> right, right. after a while. But I, I do like that there have been times where, you know, like that time we camped in the big Kifaru, it yeah. is really nice to have that. I just um, don't necessarily want to go to the trouble of it. Well, um, you know, I've gotten to where... I've gotten to where I can set mine up very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's literally uh, it takes me like ten minutes to get my to get my tent set up and and uh, have the stove. It takes longer actually to put the stove together than it does to put the tent up. Yeah, I know. Yep. But the uh, uh, what I've noticed is that the more I put it up, the the faster I can put it up. Mm-hmm. And you know, so it it ends up being that. Um, that I'm not I'm not that concerned about about putting I mean and it's a lightweight tent it's small enough I mean I I really I kind of would like to get the next size bigger um, mm-hmm. the next size bigger tent so maybe if I could maybe I could part with this one and and get the next size bigger tent um, I think I might be a little bit more happy uh, but but so I mean so far this has been a great you know. This has really been a great tent. I mean, I got really no complaints over it. Um, mine is, I think mine is a little bit lighter colored than yours. Yeah, yours is like white or something, right? Yeah, and what yeah. I noticed, what I noticed is that when the sun is out, uh, no matter how cold it is, when the sun is out, that tent heats up inside. Yeah, um, it's like a greenhouse. Yeah, exactly, and it and it seems to work quite well. I we were on a um, Last year at PWIP, we were up in in the UP, and uh, the Dave uh, that won the um, alone contest was up there, and he's a hammock guy, and because uh, uh, he does a lot of camping in Brazil, so he his techniques are are of that nature. And the first night we were up there, he froze his ass off. Yeah, you do, and, unfortunately. Yep, yep. And so he he came in, and uh, the next the next day he was he asked if he could stay in my tent. And I was like, yeah, no problem, you know, no big deal. 
And so he, he carried all his stuff in there, and it was not warm during the day. You know, it was probably 35, 40 degrees, something like that. Snow drift, you know, it was starting to snow a little bit. And and, and uh, after after we had eaten lunch, he went in there and he kind of laid down. He was he was chilled. He was chilled. And uh, went in there and laid down on his thing. And he was like, you know, he said, I can't believe how warm it is in here. And it was, it was probably 30 degrees warmer inside there than it was outside. Yeah. And, uh, and in a relatively short order... Uh, there was four guys in there laying down, <laughs> just just basically, uh, you know, taking the chill off and taking a nap is what was going on in there. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a, hard to believe that it warmed up that much. Yeah, the um, the other thing is is with that hammock. Uh, the reason I don't use them in winter is is uh, yes, you can do it if you have an under quilt and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but by the time you do that, you're essentially carrying in enough stuff that you might as well just bring in a small one-man tent. Right, right. <laughs> by the bulk and the weight of the stuff that you're carrying in. So um, when it gets below a certain temperature, I just like to go to ground because it seems like you're warmer um, than if you've got air moving underneath you and stuff. Right. So I don't know. Now I've I've talked about this for a couple of years now, and I really want to do it. And next winter I am going to do it. I am going to, um, I am going to take a trip across the UP, probably from somewhere around the Sioux, and then head up toward um, maybe Copper Harbor or something like that, uh, and and do a uh, uh, do a UP transverse the up with uh with a snowmobile and my dog sled that'd be fun yeah i think i've been i've been teasing on doing it for a long time um i've got my little tundra doesn't go very fast it's probably a 35 mile an hour sled top speed and uh so it's kind of one of those deals where you know you it'll take you a while to get it's not like you, you know some of the new sleds they go like 100 miles an hour and a lot of these guys on the snowmobile trails, they think that they need to go 100 miles an hour. Hmm. Well, my little Tundra is um, does not does not go that fast, hmm. you know. But it doesn't burn near as much gas either. But but right. that's my plan. I am I am going to go, and I suppose if anybody wants to go, uh, I think it would be a fun trip to to do. You know, just yeah. we can stop and get food along the way and. And whether it's eating in a restaurant or uh, stopping and, 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 you know, filling up, resupplying at stores along the way is... is yeah, it's actually kind of built for that. There's a whole culture around it up here. Yeah, yeah. So it's and easy to do if you if yep. you stick to known trails. Yep, yep. And, uh, uh, you know, you can stop off and then, you know, resupply along the way. I think it would be kind of fun. Then you don't have to take as much stuff and... and uh, I said I might um, might end up with a different maybe a different setup for the dog I mean I was actually thinking about um, building or have you seen those Oz tents uh-uh. the one that Randy uh, uh, he didn't have one when we went to uh, Boys Blank Island but he got one now where you you basically it's like eight seconds to to um, set it up you you throw it out on the ground you pull one one uh thing over and it like it's like a clam 
Yeah, and it just pops up. I've yeah. seen that a variation of that. I don't know the specific one you're talking about, well, but he's he's got one. I can't think of the name of it, but it's like a. It looks like a, it's made out of canvas, and you can actually put a stove jack in it. And oh, okay. So I, you know, so so I thought, well, it'd be kind of cool. You know, you're going along and you're and and just have something like that that's hooked right to the back of the of the of the snowmobile. And uh, and you you basically fold it over like a like a um, one of these portable ice fishing shanties. Uh-huh. But as long as you have it big enough that you can you can lay down in it, you know, set your sleeping bag up in it and lay down in it, and so it's not so you, so you can spend more time traveling and and uh, uh, taking pictures and videos and that kind of stuff rather than you know having to break camp you know set up camp you know. An hour before daylight goes away. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I've uh, that's why I've gone to using pretty simple methods. You know, if if you're in jungle and it's going to be warm, there's nothing better than a hammock with a bug right. net and a tarp. I mean, that right. goes up immediately. You know, but in the winter, you got to think of something else, or at least I like to. There are people who successfully uh, winter camp in a hammock. I'm just not one of them. Yeah. Um, uh, well, I've but, been, I've, I've, I've camped in a hammock at down in North Carolina in the springtime, and uh, I remember one time my uh, my two boys were down there, and we we were um, we were camping in hammocks, and we we all froze our ass off. Yeah. You know, because you're not you you're not prepared for it going to 30 degrees, and uh, and you know there's no insulation on the underside of you. Yeah, and you know once you well, once you smash it, that once you smash the bottom of your sleeping bag down, you're pretty much freezing your ass off. Yeah, there's uh, you know there's people that do it just because they want to show it can be done, and of course you you can do that. I just well, don't sure. want to. Right. <laughs> you know. Well, and it and it does get to that point. It's like it's like the three sided tent thing. I mean, I have a three sided tent. Yeah. You know, and it and it's and it's kind of neat to do that. Um, but the reality of it is, it's it's a lot of it's a lot more work than uh, than I care to do anymore. Yeah, it's, like I said, that's, you know, a, a feeding a long lay fire is a lot of work. Yeah, and it's know, not it's, something that's it's you're not spending all you're, of your time gathering the wood for that long lay fire. Right, and it's got to be big wood. It, it can't be yeah. like little wood. Where there's so many yeah. better things that you can do with your time if you mm-hmm. just use a little bit different shelter system, you know, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Yep. yep. Um, let's see. What, what else have you been doing? Well, while you guys were doing that, I was on my own little adventure. Um, I, as you know, I'm a drummer, mm-hmm. and uh, every once in a while there's this guy that I play with whenever he's in the Midwest. He calls me, and I go out on tour with him. Uh, named Johnny Rogers, uh, but anyway, I uh, got got the call and uh, went and played at the surf ballroom at the winter dance party. Surf ballroom is in Clear Lake, Iowa, and it's the last place that Buddy Holly ever played. So I got to play at that on the you know on the weekend that they had the crash. Uh, That's very cool. The, I think it was 51 years ago. So I got wow. to. Play there, thousands of people. Then we went, 
next day and played in uh, Dubuque, Iowa at the Mystique Casino and a couple other things and then it was uh, all done uh, and I was back home. Uh, lots of fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I would have liked to have gone and seen that. I think that would be very cool. Yep. I'm doing uh, Frankenmuth again this year. Oh, when is that? Uh, let me look it up here. So, because I want to take I want to take Kathy down there. I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay. Zenders Entertainment. So the place we play at is called Zenders. Z H E or Z E H N D E R S. And uh, it is. Let's see. They have us listed um, the 12th and 13th of September, which is two days, but they always add a third day. Okay. Uh, and basically what it is is they, Zenders is kind of famous for their uh, chicken dinner, and it's this huge restaurant, uh, very 1940s German looking. Of course, Frankenmuth is a Bavarian town, and uh, they wall off this one big... Uh, huge dining room that they have and they build us a stage in there and then we play usually a lunch show and a dinner show uh, a couple times a day uh, lots of fun uh, it's a blast they treat you real well uh, if you're a performer there and I've done that a couple times and I'll be doing it again this year so yeah, I, I, I saw you uh I think two years ago, though, yep. and I, re I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, we had a we had a good time. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, we stepped out of our comfort zone as uh, my, my wife and I have been married 35 years now. And we stepped out of our comfort zone uh, about two weeks ago for the first time. And we've talked about doing this and, and naysaying it for 35 years, and we 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 tried it um, a couple weeks ago, and it was unbelievable. We went on a cruise. Oh yeah. Um, okay, so tell us about that. I've never <laughs> been on one. I've always shied well, away I, from them because I thought I'd climb the walls. Exactly. That's exactly what we thought too. That's exact. I mean, you know, we've been. Um, you know, you hear about the horror stories about, uh, well, the big one, the Titanic, and you hear that, <laughs> and then you, and then you see movies like the Poseidon Adventure, and you, and you know, you see all of these things, and and you, and you, and then you hear the this the stories about what really can happen, which is everybody on the ship gets the shits, food poisoning, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so we've kind of shied away because if you've ever had uh, norovirus um, or or any kind of those kinds of uh, horrendous gastrointestinal um, diseases that run through cruise ships like shit through a tin horn, um, they're very unpleasant. And imagining yourself on vacation <laughs> and having that happen to you is not a pleasant thing. Yeah. So so we've literally avoided it, you know, for like I said, our whole marriage. We we talked about how we would never go on a cruise. Well, this year 
um, we stepped out of our comfort zone and decided that we were going to give it a try. Enough of our friends had gone and said, oh, you know, you really should try it. You'll like it, yada, yada, yada. And lo and behold, we, we, we went on an easy peasy one. We just thought, you know, we'll go, we'll, we'll hop on a boat in uh, um, Port Canaveral and we'll go out to the Bahamas and then come back. And it was a, a three night cruise, four days, three nights. Mm-hmm. And so it was not a very long period of time. Well, I got to tell you, we had a blast. The, us and 3,500 of our of our most closest friends <laughs> were Some on the boat. board and whatnot. <laughs> we're on the boat. Back no, actually, 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 there was Bridge. there was thirty there was thirty five hundred people on the boat, hmm. and I did not at all feel as though it was overcrowded. I did not. We have a um, we're we're very early risers, so we get up. You know, I, well, when we were on the boat, we were getting up at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and 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 heading off to sleep probably eleven o'clock, ten o'clock, something in that neighborhood. Um. The food was fabulous. The food was really, really good. The drinks were horrible. They were expensive. And when yeah. I say horrible, they were expensive. Um, so we did not drink a ton. Yeah. But we, we, had a, we had a room that had a balcony on it. And, um, and most of the time, we thought we were alone. Um, we, found a, we found a deck uh, up on way forward ahead of the pilot house, just above and ahead of the pilot house that nobody ever went on we never saw anybody there and we'd go out and hang out there um you know we'd get up uh every every night they drain the the pool and the hot tub out hot tubs out they drain all the pools out and all the hot tubs out and then they refill them in the morning you fill them with uh, salt water yep yep no there's salt water yep Mm, nice and and uh and so you know we'd get up at like like i said we get up at four o'clock in the morning and and you can eat at any time, almost. I mean, you you have to really try hard not to eat on a boat like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're dieting, you may not you may not care for that so much. But um, but the coffee the coffee was very good. The uh, the food was exceptional. We get up at four o'clock in the morning. We'd have coffee and and some fruit, and then we found this this one deck called the Serenity Deck on the boat that we were on. And way forward, there was two hot tubs that were like looking out over the bow of the boat and so guess what everybody parties until three o'clock in the morning and at five o'clock in the morning there is nobody you have the boat to yourself you really you could really probably walk around naked and nobody would even notice because there's no because there's nobody there and so we would get up uh real early in the morning and we would go on that serenity deck and get in the hot tub and spend like a half an hour in the hot tub and nobody nobody was around I mean, it was freak, it was gorgeous. It was actually uh, a lot of fun, and mm. so that was a that wasn't uh, what we thought was going to be a major adventure, and and uh, you know a, a big disappointment, and it wasn't. The food was really good. the The atmosphere was fun. Uh, the The cabin, the stateroom that we had was nice. Um, didn't you go crazy on there? No, actually not. It was a big boat. I mean, huh. I was surprised how big it is. I mean, it's but, like, I mean, like nine, nine decks for lack Our, of things to do. I guess no, would be my... no, you know, no, you know why? Because we just basically did nothing, anyways. I mean, you could read a book, you could do. I mean, we we visited with each other. I mean, we don't get yeah. we don't get a lot of time. To, now, you could bring your kids there, 
and they would have a blast. Huh. They would they would have the all. I mean, soft serve ice cream as much as you want to eat. I oh, mean God. that kind of stuff. I mean, I there was, you know, what's that? Um, what's the famous uh, uh, famous chef that has uh, like the 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 white hair um, guy? Wolfgang something? Puck. No, 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 no. Guy. The guy something. Fieri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He he has a hamburger place. He had a hamburger place on this boat. Oh, cool. Um, there was a uh, some kind of gourmet pizza place. There was sushi, a nice sushi bar, piano bars. There was um, fancy steakhouses. Nice. Um, I mean, surprisingly, and you know what? I I did not. Uh, you could gamble if you wanted to. I mean, we mm. didn't. But but what we did was we basically just visited with each other. You know, I mean, it's not a lot of time um, when you're, you know, two two very busy people. You start heading different directions all the time. It's it's sometimes difficult to to communicate with each other, yeah. find the time to actually just sit and pay attention to one another. Yeah. And and uh, and so that was, uh, I mean, I think that was something that a lot of people do not ever do, and we we actually try to do that. Yeah. Try to make, you know, my hang on a second. I got to take my hearing aids off. Okay. My hearing aids were were squawking. Oh. And did so you I, uh, did you uh, on the ship? Uh, did you clog any toilets from all no, the eating? No, no, no. But you know what? It's it's funny because you have a difficult time not eating like that. Yeah. That was the. I mean, because the food the food was really good. I mean, in the morning, I'd get. Uh, I don't know. They're probably like maybe maybe two egg omelets. I'm thinking, uh-huh. um, and I'd get a couple two egg omelets. Cool. Which is, I mean, I, I uh, but and then the other side of it, you're walking around enough that you don't really feel like you're, you know, you're gonna put on a, a bunch of weight. Yeah. Um, and then we got off in the Bahamas and we went to, uh, um, we went, walked up and down Nassau. We found the original um, uh, rum cake factory. In the oh, Bahamas, cool. they, they were the ones that, I guess, they came up with it. And it was like a little bitty storefront in a real shitty part of town. And Did you buy uh, one? Oh, yeah. Oh, was yeah. It good? Oh, very good. Very, very good. I mm. um, I think that that's, that should be your challenge to make a rum cake. Or do I, you know how to make, you you make know, a rum cake? Yeah, you, you probably never had my rum cake. I, no, I haven't. I have a recipe from Elvis Presley's chef. Oh, uh, that's fantastic! Next time you come down, I'll make it for you. But it's uh, right. it's basically well, this one probably isn't anywhere near authentic, but it's really good. And it, it's like a box of yellow cake mix, a thing of vanilla pudding, and some oil, and rum, <laughs> and like nutmeg and such like this. Well, I tell you what, this uh, th- this cake was so good it wasn't even funny. I mean, it was it's it was wonderful. Huh. I'll have to look and see if there's a, a a recipe for a more authentic one. I, you know, I'm happy with my Elvis version because it's really good. People who have it just go crazy. Yeah, well, I imagine. Yeah, I would imagine. And so the so that was a that was an interesting adventure. Um, I got to tell you, we we flew into uh, um, trying to organize a a cruise is not. A real easy thing to trying to figure out what you're going to fly in here you don't want to really rent a car that much you want to try to use their transportation but when you start adding it up it was like nah. by the time you were said and done you might as well rent a car for the week and park it at a hotel 
Yeah. You know, and and it's cheaper than trying, and then you got it at your disposal. So, so so I I rented a um, a Volkswagen convertible, <laughs> and, it, and it was the the cheapest car I could find. It was a Volkswagen convertible. So we get to Orlando, uh-huh. and the guy behind the counter says, "Hey, we're going to upgrade you to a, a 2017 Camaro <laughs> convertible." Nice. Seventy dollars more. I was like, "Nah, I don't need that." <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, 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 I'm not that kind of guy. Nah, I don't need that. No, no, seriously, it's a really good deal. Daytona's this week. You'll be like everybody looking at your at your car. Yeah. I was like, N- "No, no." Yeah, no. Like, it'll be one of like four million of them. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not that interested in it. You know. And so yeah. he's. We're filling out the paperwork. I'm like, "Just give me my Volkswagen. I'll be happy with that." So he's like. Now you got the Camaro anyways. And I was like, oh, for the same price? He's like, yeah. I said, so you didn't have the Volkswagen, did you? <laughs> and he started laughing. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what it, always happens, especially if you get in late in the day. Usually by then the cars are gone. Yep. But and there's so, this, uh, so, you know, you can get these cruise packages, like any any travel site, like Orbitz. Like you, here's one for a six-night uh, Eastern Caribbean cruise uh balcony for 695 a person yeah yeah see that's you what know. i'm talking about they're pretty reasonable yeah they're pretty reasonable. i mean i'm sure there's all kinds of catches and add-ons and stuff but but still i mean it it's probably not as hard to book a cruise oh no 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 it's not hard to willing to pay a little bit yeah no no it's not hard to book the cruise yeah but it's but it's hard to get from the airport in orlando to the to the to the cape um because it's like a forty-five minute, uh, forty-five minute drive, and you can take a taxi, but you're kind of then you're stranded. Yeah. You know, you can take their transportation, but then you're stranded. Um, so what yeah. what we ended up doing was um, we went we came in the night before, and uh, rented a car, and drove drove to Cocoa Beach, kind of hung out in Cocoa Beach, drove around, and got up early the next morning and. Went down, went down to the water, and kind of hung out at the beach for a while. It's a beautiful beach, um, and then uh, parked the car, took the shuttle bus from the hotel to the cruise, went out, got on the boat, and uh, and we were off. And like I said, we had a we had a, a really really good time um, to the point where we're actually talking about having uh, doing a family. Um, like the whole family go for like maybe Thanksgiving or something. Oh, that sounds fun. You know, like a six day or seven day cruise. Yeah. And and uh then nobody has to cook and you just basically get to have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well I I'm still on my uh I'm still not convinced. I think I would climb the walls. Yeah. Well, you know you know it was funny, there was they had shows, they had comedians there, they had um uh, they had music everywhere all the time. They had, yep. uh, you know, the kids would like the pools. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, you you can go on. Uh, um, you know, they had putt putt golf. They had. Uh, I want to go on one where you shoot uh, uh, trap off the off the uh, stern of the boat. Hmm. Yeah, and, that'd be uh, nice. Or or hit golf balls or something like that into the water. Yeah. But not surprisingly, I had a I had a very good time. I had yeah. a very good time. Well, good. 
So that was one adventure, uh, you know, stepping into the uncomfort zone. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that would be far more difficult for me to do than it would for me to go and just walk out into the jungle. You yeah. know, in a place where I am basically confined, uh, I don't do all that well. Yep. Well, like I said, it's it surprised me when when I could step out on the balcony and look off into the vast, vastness of the ocean. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's what was that was pretty incredible. You realize how small we really are. Mm-hmm. You know when you <laughs> when you do something like that. Yeah. Well, you, know, you feel the figure you jump overboard and you're pretty much uh, you know no one will ever find you. Yeah, they can't turn them around. Nope. Nope. Yeah. No, so that was it was interesting. The water is beautiful. You go around the Bahamas and the water is gorgeous. Yeah. Yep. The, the bay was really nice today. Oh, yeah? You got any ice down there? No. That's all washed. Yeah, basically now all of our snow is gone. Yeah, ours is going very quickly. We got, we've got we got a hell of a windstorm going on up here. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's... I almost got blown off the road in my little car today. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty bad. It's pretty mm-hmm. bad. So what else you been doing? Anything? Well, um, we babysat a wiener dog over the weekend. <laughs> oh, so that was exactly why uh, you didn't want to do a podcast over the weekend because the your adventure in wiener dogs. Well, you know, I could take or leave a wiener dog because <laughs> uh, this one was. Uh, he was pretty well behaved, but uh, like any dog, when they go over to another dog's house, they poop on the floor. Oh, yeah. And then he he was getting all territorial, and, like, he'd, like, like howl and stuff. Not howl, but, like, kind of groan and all that whenever he wasn't getting things exactly the way he wanted. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we're, we, we're one dog down. Yeah, that's what I. We we lost our older our old guy, and now we've just got the uh, uh, stormy dog. Is he calmer now? Actually, yeah. You know what's interesting about it? Um, he now has. When you leave him alone, he kind of gets anxious. Hmm. Uh, and he wasn't doing that before, but uh, but when we're here, yes, he's much calmer. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and so what I've been doing lately, if I have to run somewhere, I tend to put him. I put him in the car and take him with me. It's a lot yeah. easier to deal with it than anything that he might tear up at the house. And and then uh, so he's been he's been pretty good uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to that. Uh, oh, I know what I did. So over the winter, I well, starting like early last summer, I found uh, two hogs, two piglets. Uh, that are of the Tamworth breed, T-A-M-worth okay. breed. Uh, and that's a historical breed that my family always grew. And so I contracted with this guy that I know. He's got kids in 4-H, and they just raise them kind of in the yard. And he had space uh, fencing for two more. And so I just had him raise them up. And uh, they he waited too long to, like... Um, book a butcher and so he ended up having to keep them a couple extra months <laughs> oh man <laughs> so they were like huge 
and uh, he ran out of like hog feed, and so he was feeding them apples and like table scraps and stuff. But uh, finally got them all taken care of, and right now in my basement uh, there's some bacon hanging up there. Ooh, uh, baby! Which I actually need to go check because it's been a week now. Um, Ooh. The uh, I took the so you know I have one of those smaller smokers uh, master built. Yep. And uh, you can't fit a whole pork belly in there. Okay. So so basically what I... And then on any pork belly that you have, if you get a real whole pork belly, you're going to have some ends that are a little smaller and make odd-shaped pieces. Right. So what I did was I just cut enough of that odd-shaped piece off to be able to fit the pork bellies in the in the smoker. And then I took the odd-shaped piece ones after everything had smoked and cut them up right away. Mm-hmm. And then I took the the big pieces and they're hanging to dry just a little bit, lose a little mm-hmm. bit of water weight. So, so they're so probably did you, done. Did you uh, have you uh, do you cook any of those unsmoked? Uh, I did a batch. I still have a batch um, from my Berkshire hog that uh, I did as uh, I cured it, but then I just cooked it in the oven. Yeah, which is well, there was it just it makes a, a little different flavor is all. It's kind of interesting because right now, the last five years or so, there's been this big push for um, fresh pork belly uh, roast, either as a as a uh, appetizer or yeah, you know, you, you get a small piece of uh, um, of pork belly and it's mm-hmm. not smoked and it's usually roasted and they're they're pretty damn good. Yeah, that's um, a lot of places are kind of catching on to that. That's been a thing in. Um, different Asian cuisines for a long time. Pork belly yeah. bao, you know those yeah. uh, rice buns. Yep, yep. They steam yep. and then they put the pork belly in there. Yep, yep. So that's cool. That's yeah, very cool. I like mine as bacon though. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. I made a bunch of Canadian bacon. Yeah. Um, I made a bunch too. I have a video on it. Oh, nice. Yeah, I put up nice. a video of how to do it really, really easily. Uh, it's it's really not that difficult. I'm amazed that more people don't do it. Yeah, well, there. I think they just, you know, Maybe there's it's overwhelming. not a lot of, there's a lot of conflicting information out there on how to do it, and there's not really, you know, the greatest. I don't know. Everybody's got like strong opinions this way and that, and you're going to read one thing here and one thing there, and it gets confusing. So I just put up a really super simple way of doing it. Like now you can in your, ma- in your master built can you uh, can you can you get that temperature to 200 degrees yeah okay yeah. so you can actually do a pork butt in there yeah yeah it's it, it, it you can set it at whatever you want it's an electric I mean, smoker I mean you make you can make a uh, uh, you can make pork belly or, or uh, I'm sorry pulled pork yeah I do it all the time yeah. okay okay. Yeah, I just I did a brisket in there, uh, and the the nice thing about the master built the electric ones is you set the temperature, put the wood chips in, and forget about it. You know, the the thing the problem I always had, and I got actually quite good at it, but um, with the charcoal smokers is having to go out and refresh them. And if you if you're making something like a pork belly, that's like a 13, 14 hour process. You know, you're kind of tied to it for a while. That, that's yeah. why there's a whole culture around doing that in in yep. the south, yep, yep. Um, and why they do yeah. it in such big batches. But uh, yep. I 
I like the electric smoker. I I defy anybody to tell me that there's all that much of a difference in the flavor. I mean, I'm sure right. somebody will be able to taste it, but I I can't tell a difference, and it's a lot easier, so I just do it that way. Wait, you know what I noticed? The the difference would be, and I'm gonna have to try that. I'm gonna have to get me one of those because they're not horribly expensive. No, it's like 150 bucks or something. Yeah, and because uh, I have my I have my big setup to do pork butts, and I can do I. Can't remember now if I can do four or six. Yeah. But what I notice is if you don't use the right um, lump charcoal, right kinds of the right kinds of charcoal stuff tastes oily. Yeah, you need like the chunk, the big chunk charcoal. Yep. Yeah. Yep. yep. And you can't really. I I never usually started mine with uh, lighter fluid. I always started it in a flute, got it going, and then put it right. in the firebox. So my old smoker was a big, huge thing and i could do uh 80 pounds in there at once yeah you know so well, however I have, many pork butts that is or however I whatever that, combination um, i have access to uh um uh kiln dried maple trunks chunks yeah that that have not been that are that are you know they're not burnt they're wood and uh-huh. uh so i so i've been using those uh in my smoker, and that works really well. Yeah, if you get them, if you um, turn them into charcoal before you put them in there, because you're gonna yeah. want to burn off a lot of that sap and shit that's in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that's cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that reminds awesome. me. After B- I finish this, I gotta go down there. Yeah, BLTs, baby. Yeah, BLTs. that and uh, uh, anything you can imagine with bacon, you can make it. Oh, it's oh, so yeah. good too. D- yeah. Very different flavor. Then yep. you know yep. the Oscar Mayer stuff, which I I like the Oscar Mayer too, but this is just a, a different experience. Right. So we we've been uh, um, about a month ago, we started doing uh, one of these services that delivers uh, um, one complete meal uncooked. Oh, like Blue Apron or something. Yep. Everything perfectly measured and. Uh, uh, I gotta tell you, pretty nice. Yeah. Pretty nice. Um, yeah. For for the two of us, it's it's almost perfect because you know as as you know, it's difficult to cook for two people. Yeah. You always have you always make too much. Um, no matter how hard you try, you just always make too much. Because most meat comes in pound increments. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, and so with this with this setup, uh. It sure seems to work out real nice. Yeah. So I've been pretty I've been pretty thrilled with that. Like I said, we we're in a week. Uh, oh, let's see, we're in week. Must be five, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we we took a couple weeks off and we went down uh, on the cruise, but um, but I think we've had we've had about fifteen meals so far, and they've all been outstanding, absolutely mm. outstanding, and they were not anything that I would have. Like went to the grocery store and bought stuff to make, which is really kind of cool because now I would go to the grocery store and buy stuff to make that. That's cool. Um, you know, I could make it for like four people and just get you know double the recipe and because they give you all the recipes. Yeah. Um. You know, but it's it's everything's measured for two people, so it's really cool. It's cool. Huh. Yeah. So I have a uh, book recommendation. And uh, a movie recommendation and a TV recommendation. Ah. Which do you want wow. first? Wow. 
do the movie. Okay, the movie. Uh, it's actually a documentary that you'll get a kick out of. Uh, it's called Grizzly Man. Oh, okay. And it's about this guy, this Treadway guy that. Um, he, oh, uh, he became bear poop. Yeah, like literally, they pooped yeah. him out. Oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, I've seen that movie. It's on Netflix, actually. <laughs> so I, it's he, actually pretty. It's actually pretty funny, and it's sad. Yeah, I know. So I, uh, as you know, every once in a while, I have to stay in a hotel for work, and I'll uh, make a little dinner in there, a little one pot meal, and usually watch something on Netflix. And the last time I was up there, I watched that, and I'm like, this dude is stupid, like. <laughs> insane yeah like i don't care like how in touch with like nature and all this you are it's still a goddamn kodiak bear dude yeah like it's still gonna eat you eventually and it did yeah and like and his girlfriend too yeah i know and the thing is is they had the camera going while that happened the the lens cap was just on yeah yeah very uh, nice wasn't it the only person that ever had that had access to that um, was like his, uh, I guess, girlfriend, something like that, you know, some sort of a female friend that knew him and worked with him through his, like, bear rescue thing or whatever. Uh, and uh, somebody leaked it onto the Internet. <laughs> Cause oh, yeah. You can, you can, you can find that. Uh, and so yep. some, somebody put that out there. Somebody must have gotten paid some decent money for that. Um, yep. Yeah, but uh, so there's that. Uh, do you want the TV or the book? The book. Okay, so for a book, I recommend uh, a book called The Seven Pillars of Wisdom, which you may have already read. Mm. It's the actual. Um, you've seen the movie uh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia. Yep. Uh, it's his book. It's what okay. he wrote about it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's uh, really good. Uh, I read that uh, a couple weeks ago. And finally, for TV, uh, everyone uh, should watch Doc Martin <laughs> on oh, Netflix. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, we just finished the sixth, se- sixth season, and I know there's a seventh out, but it's not on Netflix yet. And the Martin Clune guy says there's g- going to be an eighth as well, eighth and final nice. season. Nice. But uh, nice. coming from the perspective of an actual surgeon, they really, really, really captured the, like, stereotypical surgeon, like, extremely well. Yeah. Like, a- everything about his personality and everything, uh, you know, there there are varying degrees of it, but in its purest form, they got it, like, totally. So, okay, so I've got, I've got a, a movie recommendation. Oh, and one more thing. Um... Uh, you should watch Downton Abbey, which is free on uh, Amazon Prime. We just watched episode one last night. Okay. Okay, so uh, a movie called The Accountant. Okay. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. That was a very, very good movie, and it was had a nice twist to it. A lot of action. Hmm. Um. The second one I was a little bit perplexed about. We just we just saw this, and uh, I would highly recommend it as this is the time of Easter, and uh, it was a movie called Risen. Have you seen that? Uh-uh. Um, it's a uh, uh, historical fiction account 
which I which I kind of like when a when a writer does that. And uh, it's about the crucifixion and the resurrection, and it's it's taken from the perspective of a Roman who's in charge of the investigation of what happened to Jesus. And it's really, actually, very good. Cool. Um, I, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, uh, exceptionally well done. Um, and so uh, you probably could rent that in the $2 column because it's, uh, you know, we're so anti-Christian lately. <laughs> um, but it was, a, it was a very well done movie. Very well done movie. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? Well, uh, we could start would, some political rantings. Would you care to, to talk about? I think there are some very interesting things going on right now um, that I can talk about in a nonpartisan way, not really taking sides, but just pointing out some of the intricacies of the whole thing. Uh, you want to transition into that? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. fine. Okay, people, so you've had a hour of non-political content. Uh, stay tuned if you want to hear a little political content. Uh, other than that, uh, we'll see you next time. I'm hoping that Jim takes the initiative and sets up an Adventure Podcast Facebook page oh, okay. at some I'll point because I just uh, I haven't gotten around to it. I'll do that. Um, but, uh, other than that, uh, we will catch you next time, hopefully more frequent, uh, yeah. podcasts. We've just kind of been or, busy. Or, so- or sooner than later. Yeah. Oh, did I mention that my thermostat has not left 62 yet this year? <laughs> and, uh, that, uh, it's been burning wood. We've been and been able to keep the house between 68 and 75 most of the time. Of course, nice. you want it to cool off at night. but Nice, nice, yeah, nice. So. Very anyway, nice. So that's right. that, and now we will okay. transition into some politics. See you later. Okay. So, uh, interesting thing happened over the weekend, uh, and I'm, I'm going to give this from a non- political perspective you're never going to figure out who i voted for uh but to me this is all very interesting right okay so you had uh they were trying to get jeff sessions the attorney general fired um for various reasons and they did successfully get him to recuse himself from some things which apparently made his boss pretty mad mm-hmm. um and this was all in the heat of things Friday afternoon. Uh, 5.30 Saturday morning, Trump tweets out that, uh, that Obama is, uh, basically sp- was basically spying on him during the campaign. Right. And, like, the world blew up, and you haven't heard Jeff Sessions', Jeff Sessions name since. Right. right. So the interesting thing to me is that... Uh, there's tons of New York Times, Washington Post, all these other articles for the since basically since the day after the election, they've been running this narrative that Russia hacked the election. Right. Right? And they've and as evidence of it, you know, they use all these leaks from intelligence and all these sorts of things and then they kind of breathlessly pro- proclaim that this is such a serious in, in uh 
serious incident, incident that there were two uh, FISA court applications to uh, uh, basically spy on Trump and the campaign. So when they did that, we were and everybody can go back and look these articles up. I'm not I'm not taking a side here. I'm just saying that they have been presenting it this way. Right. And and uh, so what you were supposed to infer from that was. Geez, why is the CIA, FBI, uh, NSA, and all these different organizations looking into Trump if there's nothing there? Right. So you were supposed to presume that he was guilty based on the fact, or based that on they were, what they, they were, were saying was that he was being investigated. Right. Right. So the Obama thing breaks, and immediately yesterday and over the weekend they were saying there was no FISA court thing same people who were just a, a week before telling you all about these FISA court things you know right. now all of a sudden they're saying there was no FISA court like he didn't apply for any of this like so they completely and totally very quietly over the weekend two things went away number 1 nobody gives a shit about Jeff Sessions you know that all right. went away, and the other thing that went away was my narrative, my Russian narrative. You know, mm -hmm. because they've already said, or, or they've already now backpack or backtracked on their claim that you know there were FISA court investigations and this was in very very serious. You know, blah blah blah, and so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. But I think it's pretty far from over. <clears throat> well. Personally, I think that they, he probably was right. I think that, you know, people people say, oh, he's the president. He can't be saying stuff like that. They can't be tossing around allegations like that. And it's like um, you stand there and you listen to what, what, the, uh, what the media is saying, and then, there, and then when he defends himself, he has to uh, tie both his hands behind his back. Yeah, to 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 do that, it's it's almost like okay, so one side can toss all the bombs they want, the other side is not allowed to do anything with a bat with a with a tennis racket to beat them off. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's 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 amazing to me that they have gotten away with this for so long. This group of people, um, I, I I'm just surprised. I'm just well, surprised then... how. And then here's the yeah. other here's the other thing is that their their argument is self-refuting. Right. Exactly. If if you've been given all these intelligence leaks all along, how did the how did the intelligence happen in the first place if there wasn't right. investigation? Right. How was how was there anything to leak? Right. If if well, they the, weren't the if is, they weren't investigating is that, it. Is that they're they're making uh it's like the thing with uh, with uh, Russian ambassador and Jeff Sessions. I think that's what what they were talking. One of the things they were talking about. He was a senator at the time. He, yeah. he had nothing to do with the campaign, and the and his contact with the ambassador had nothing to do with the campaign. And there was a bunch of Democrats that were there also. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a well. And then you know they were all they all got caught up in all of these. Uh, they got caught basically in lies saying, you know, I've been on the committee for 10 years and I never once met with a Russian, Russian diplomat. Okay, it's very dangerous for you to make a claim like that because there's this community of, of people who, um, well, they don't say that they suffer from it. They're actually proud of it. But there is a community of people out there who have autism. 
Yeah. And they have uh, a place where they meet, which is a subreddit on Reddit called The Donald. And so anytime there's any digging or investigation to be done, if there's anything out there, they're going to find it. Right. So I knew about all of those meetings and things because I, I went over there and checked it because my friend kind of pointed me, hey, you check out what's going on over here. So I went over there and looked. I knew about all of that like 36 hours before it was ever reported because mm-hmm. the second any of them says anything, they go and, and check and all these sorts of things. So uh, they call it uh, weaponized autists. <laughs> you know, they go out and they... They dig through all of this stuff, and they catch them in lies, and they have pictures and evidence. I mean, it, so that is very much changing the way um, things are. Um, well, it, it is amazing. It is amazing to me how we're continuing to uh, to let them get away with it, and I and I think that that uh, because because our president is such a hands-on guy. Um, he's just not taking it anymore. Well, and, you know, the thing is, is I don't think they are getting away with it anymore. I think what you're seeing is there was kind of an entrenched um, power structure, which, um, you know, has uh, the media, uh, non-elected governmental officials, and then um, elected Republicans and Democrats that were basically running everything. Mm -hmm. And then you have somebody that... Um, you know, for all appearances, is completely outside of that power structure who comes in and is the most powerful person in the world. And so all of that entrenched power then turns on him and tries to uh, get him out of there. I've been saying that a long time about who actually runs the government. Yeah. You know, and it's all of these bureaucrats that are not elected. They're the ones that are making up the rules as they go. Yeah. And uh, and you know, we think that the legislators can do stuff to get, you know, and uh, to get those things changed, and they can't. Yeah. Because these because these guys are dug in like ticks. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's so. There's another. Here's another movie. Uh, recommendation for you and i don't know if you'll find it on amazon or on netflix as a streaming thing but i have a dvd copy of it and it's a british uh tv series called a very british coup and the same sort of thing happened only the guy that got elected was a socialist Uh and then the in the internal power structure basically took him out right through a scandal and that's we're seeing it all play out here now yeah. Um, well, I, I, I just think, don't think they're going to be successful at taking right. them out because you can say anything and ev- nobody's going to believe you anymore. Right. Because you, you, you know, in the past they would be able to say one thing and then a couple weeks later say exactly the opposite and they'd never get called on it. Right. Now people are just openly defying them and saying, "No, you can't report that there were FISA court uh, applications." last week and then this report this week say there were none like well i think you don't get to do that anymore i think what's going to be interesting too is when this all plays out about where the uh um where these protesters are getting paid to show up at rallies um and 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 raise hell you know professional protesters yeah 
you know, they're they're trying to liken themselves to the to the Tea Party protesters, which uh, which basically was a grassroots organization that just that regular showed people and, showed up to it, and they picked right. up after themselves after they left. Right. <laughs> you know, they didn't. Oh, crash speaking it. of which, speaking of which, did you see the pipeline mess? Uh, no, what's going on with that? All, all those environmentalists that were that were uh, bitching about the pipeline going through Dakota Access or some crap. Uh, yeah, you know they were. Oh, this is going to wreck our burial grounds. Oh, this is going to screw up the water supply. Oh, this is going to do this. Oh, this is going to do that. Well, they finally left to go on to another cause, and they literally had to go in there with. Uh, end loaders and dumpsters to pick up the mess and the trash and the and the disgustingness that they left behind. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you get a chance, Google some of that uh, images of the the way the protesters left the Dakota Access site. It's 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 unbelievable. So you have a group of people now, to me, that have zero credibility. You know, they're supposed to be really concerned about the environment and. The reality of it is they don't give a shit about the environment. Yeah, you know, they, all they, they cared care about, about, I think, was the amount of money that maybe the the tribe, some tribal government was going to receive in the process. Yeah. And so they ginned up all of this uh, activity that it was all about the environment. Yeah. Not. Well. Not. I haven't I haven't really followed that story all that much, so I don't really. Well, have that was that whole thing about uh, for the long time it was going on with. Uh, uh, during the when Obama was still president, yeah, I, I I know what it is, and I I did see reports of it. I just didn't ever get interested enough to really engage yeah. with it or dig around. Well, in it's it a, and I did I did just casually. I I wasn't like I was studying it or nothing, but I thought it was ironic that that these people just trashed that all that property. Hmm. I mean, they so left it you, like Woodstock. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, they left it like Woodstock. <laughs> so, uh, did you see today that there's a WikiLeaks WikiLeaks uh, dump on the CIA? Oh no! And they're well, they've got a global hacking program, and they can, uh, you know, your Samsung smart TV. Oh yeah. Uh, they can basically make it look like it's turned off, but it's not turned off, and instead it's a microphone <laughs> that right. transfers well, your conversations you over ago, to the. And they've hacked iPhones, basically <coughs> every electronic device, even cars. Uh, in the oh, in yeah. there, they they talk about uh, how they can hack these newer cars and take control of them. Yep. And crash them so it looks like it was an accident, and yep. uh, basically I have. Pr- assassinations I, that are not uh, traceable. I have a good friend of mine that does that. <laughs> well, okay, so here's the deal. There's this... Do you remember... It was like a couple years ago, this journalist... Let me see if I can find his name, because this was the first thing that came to mind. Uh, he crashed uh, a Mercedes and died, and it was like some... Uh, Michael Hastings. Okay, mm-hmm. so... Uh, in June of 2013, this was an author for uh, the Rolling Stone, and he did a bunch of different uh, articles and things, but uh, he was one of the people that was talking about the spying and stuff, and one of his articles were, or were uh, why Democrats love to spy on Americans. So he was kind of turning turning uh, around. He's also the one that did the... Uh, 
Stanley McChrystal interview, um, uh-huh. the, the runaway general. Yeah. And he, he did a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but um, in June, he was driving a Mercedes C250 coupe at 4.30 in the, in the morning, basically on a deserted road. Uh, and the car was going at maximal speed and then burst into flames after hitting <laughs> a uh, palm tree. Nice. You know, so it's like, and the the engine was ejected uh, 60 yards from the crash. You know, there were there were just all of these things about it, and you know, of course, immediately people started uh, talking about it being alleged foul play. But so now I just did a Google search, and uh, now it, it turns uh, turns out people are are also starting to raise that question. Yeah. Well, it's so. interesting. I mean, I've known about that for that program for quite a while. Yeah. And uh, what what I have always found interesting was the fact that it's not necessarily uh, agency guys that are doing all of the hacking work. They're doing. They're using contractors. Yeah. And so when you use contractors, all of a sudden you have a you have a group of people that aren't quite bound by the same. Uh, ethics yeah. rules that that the uh, that a, a actual U.S. employee, U.S. government employee might have. Yeah, and so that's how you end up with uh, um, guys that have that you know that may have access for somebody else. That hey, I know you guys are doing this. I know you're. I know you have this ability. Here's X number of dollars. Make this guy. You know, whatever. Get me some dirt on this guy. Yeah. Um, no. The other thing is, is uh, they they were there's a big article. So I read a bunch of different sources and I listen to a bunch of different sources. So one, uh, I listen to NPR every day, and uh, I'll tell you about a story I heard on there in a minute that's actually kind of funny. But I listen to NPR. I read you know, magazines from around the world and newspapers from around the world. But one that I uh, read just the other day is The Intercept. And so The Intercept is Glenn Greenwald's thing. Mm-hmm. And they tend to have a pretty typically a pretty anti-American uh, slant to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's good to read that to know what they're thinking in these sorts of things. And they were on there bitching about this program called Palantir. And Palantir is a is a a big and I've actually used this program and I'll tell you how I used it. But Palantir is a a big it's basically a big database where you can take all kinds of different data. So let's say the number of people crossing this street here, or uh, the number of downed trees, or you know the number of houses without power. And you can plug all of this kind of information into a big program, and the big program can create, can analyze it and create big data maps so that you have a real-time picture of what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the time I got to use it was uh, in uh, Moore, Oklahoma, after that tornado. Mm-hmm. I think it was relatively new at the time, but um, because the people I go with are ex-military um, they were testing that out for this Palantir guy. Um, let me get the guy's name who does it. Palantir. 
uh, uh, Peter Thiel. Um, so Peter Thiel is apparently a supporter of Trump's and now is very much, uh, very much, uh, making that available to, uh, Trump. And, and so the, the article in the intercept is called, uh, Palantir provides the engine for Donald Trump's deportation machine. And hmm. so they were bitching about that and all this. Um, but anyway, I, th- I thought that was pretty interesting because Palantir is actually very useful and it does some pretty amazing stuff. Like we were able to figure out the exact path that the tornado picked just by, you know, sending everybody out with a smartphone with an app on it and you click in what you see. And uh, just tab everybody every time somebody reports or asks for you know some repair or whatever, all of that information got plugged into there, and you could see every where the tornado went and be able to predict, you know, the degree of damage and who was going to call you next using this program. It's wow. pretty amazing. Um, wow. But uh, anyway, so they have that, and back when I was using it, I think it was probably pretty beta. Uh, I'm sure it's a lot more powerful now. Um, anyway, that's kind of a neat thing that can be used for good too. I mean, it's good not like or a, evil. Yeah, any any tool can it's like be. The, it's like the force. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, on NPR, uh, back to the story I heard on NPR this morning. I I think they'll probably scrub this from the site, but they essentially admitted that cars like the Volt and these electric cars and stuff would go away completely if uh, government regulations were changed. Oh, you think? Yeah, I know, <laughs> but they admitted it. They would never admit that before. You know? That's funny. Yeah. That's funny. And, of well, course, yeah, my there favorite... would be no windmills either. My favorite uh, electric car story... Um, let me let me f- figure this out. Clean. Bolt. Burns. Okay. So... Uh, you know Neil Young? Yep. <laughs> well, he he took this old Lincoln and was converting it to electric. And you know how he's all uh he's all like against material possessions and against the rich and all of this, you know, and all these sorts of things. Well, at any rate, uh he had so many possessions and you know, memorabilia and treasures and all this shit that he had to have an actual warehouse to store them in. <laughs> and the the link vault was stored in this uh, museum of treasures of his, and uh, it burnt the whole fucking thing down. Oh, nice! Yeah, uh, up it it caused six hundred and ninety thousand pounds worth of damage, whatever that converts to. A lot. Uh, in. A lot. Uh, but it was November 9th, twenty ten. I remembered that. Uh, it, it says, on the morning of November 9th, 2010, a fire started in the Link Volt's charging system while it was recharging at a warehouse belonging to Yo- Neil Young. Uh, Amazing. Anyway, he burnt it down and burnt up all his possessions. And so that that was always something I always thought was funny was that so now here's a guy lecturing he's me with, and he's got a warehouse full of shit. <laughs> yeah, now he's, now he's without possessions. Yeah, well, temporarily. I'm sure he got he got got it all back through insurance and whatever else. But well, anyway, um, well, all right. What I'd like I, to see uh, him do, and I, this may be stupid, but I have asked uh, 
a diesel engineer, a guy that fixes diesels. Uh-huh. What I'd like to see him do is, instead of relying on a battery, have a little diesel engine that makes electricity and have it be a diesel electric car like the damn right. trains. You know, the, the part of the problem is is that they put so much restrictions on diesel engines that you, you can't even get a diesel engine that runs efficiently anymore. I mean, it literally, they, they literally took, uh, you know, a half a million mile motor design uh-huh. and turned them into a hundred thousand mile motor designs Yeah, and, and made them cost exorbitant amounts of money. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. My kid is a, uh, works with big diesel trucks, uh-huh. um, in his, in their business and, uh, now he's constantly telling me about you know these new trucks. If you you buy a brand new truck, you pay you know seventy grand uh-huh. for the truck, and you got to put another five or six thousand dollar into it so that it'll even work and do what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Because they don't work like that from the factory anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy. Well, absolutely crazy. Anything else? No, I think that's good for a get back on track deal. Excuse me. Let's uh, let's not uh, uh, let's not wait so long for the next one. Yeah, no shit. Need to stay on the stick. Yep, yep. Let's keep after it. I got stuff I got to do today, so let's uh, let's call this one in, and uh, and until next time. Yep. Bye. All right, talk to you soon.